Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Jenny Selway about climate governance and the role of engineers. And we also might get to touch on your board journey and career transitions. First, let me tell you about Jenny. Jenny is a non-executive director and engineer, currently serving on the Agri-Bio Board, an agricultural research facility, and public-private partnership and joint venture between the Victorian State Government and La Trobe University. Specialising in international joint ventures and strategic asset management from her time at ExxonMobil, Jenny has worked with globally listed and government partners to find collaborative business solutions in complex, highly regulated environments. Currently undertaking postgraduate studies in climate change policy at ANU, Jenny is passionate about using her unique combination of commercial, technical and governance skills to progress the transition to sustainable energy in Australia. With Jenny's recent election to the Victorian Divisional Committee of Engineers Australia, commencing in January 2022, Jenny is particularly interested in the role of engineers in climate governance and decarbonisation leadership. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Jenny. Thanks, Hilia. It's great to be here. It's so fabulous. I know we've been talking about this for a while, so it's great that we finally get to have the conversation. But before we talk about climate governance and the role of engineers, as always, let's dig a little bit deeper about you. Tell me, what was young Jenny like? And when did you get your first inkling that you might end up doing what you do today? Well, it's a it's an interesting story, I think, Helia, because you often hear from engineers who tell stories in their childhood that they were pulling machines apart and seeing how they worked or out in the garden constructing cubby houses out of, you know, logs and things like that. And I didn't really do any of those kind of things. So as a young child, I was always coordinating and organising things. So even at kindergarten and at primary school, I coordinated things like a fashion show that got all of the other kids involved, which is kind of funny given my low style uh, levels now. 
uh, circus for all the kids at primary school, which we did in the backyard around the Hills Hoist and a dance troupe and just whatever kind of wacky idea, I coordinated these things. And so those kind of organisational skills, but also planning and logical thinking and sort of practical, pragmatic, getting things done type of skills was always part of my personality. But I still never really considered doing engineering at all till the very end of year 12 when I was doing double maths and physics and chemistry and doing really well in those subjects. And I was planning on doing speech therapy at the time. And it just struck me that maybe I should consider engineering, given I was enjoying and and good at these subjects. And my father initially thought I wouldn't get a job in engineering, so I had to convince him that this was a reasonable strategy. And then he became very supportive and um, introduced me to some people he knew through his work. And that helped me really knuckle down on civil and environmental engineering, which was the course I eventually did joint with science at, at Adelaide Uni. And so even though through, throughout that course, I wasn't ever considering oil and gas as a career until the very end of that as well, when ExxonMobil came to do a presentation and talked about just the range of careers that you could have in oil and gas and the range of roles you can do within the one company. And that really sounded interesting to me. So, so that's when I applied and had a fantastic career at ExxonMobil um, and ended up specialising in, in joint venture management, like you said in countries like PNG and I worked in um, assets in Chad as well as the US and Canada. So had a really fantastic career and only then decided to leave at the end of last year as I became more concerned about climate change issues and thought I'd try and leverage my joint venture governance experience to move on to boards, but then also investigate what I could do as an engineer to to progress decarbonisation and the energy transition. So it's almost been a strange journey where at the last point of each stage, I've, I've come to work out what I'm going to do next. So as to when I had the inkling that I would be here talking to you now, it was probably, you know, two months yes, ago when I mentioned I was going <laughs> to do the presentation here. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I think other people look at whoever's career, your career, my career, other people's career, and they look at it and go, oh, well, that'll make sense and that's all beautifully mapped out, when in fact often it's a series of twists and turns that only become apparent as yours have, you know, yesterday or late in the piece. It's like, oh, now I feel like pivoting over here and it's only in hindsight some of those things that make sense. You know, I always really feel for kids, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, who knows? I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So how, how is a kid meant to know? You just might know what you want to do now or what you want to do next, but not necessarily what's coming later. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the things about engineering is that so broad, the, um, the, mm. the vast variety of careers you can move into with an engineering degree. And it's not necessarily what people think of when they think of engineering. And so that's one of the things I think of that us as a profession really need to do a better job of communicating all those different roles that you can do and um, and the breadth of careers you can have with the engineering degree. And it's not just the people that are breaking apart radios or building cubbies in their backyard that can really have a, a fantastic career after that choice to do engineering. Absolutely. Well, we'll touch on that now. Let's turn to climate governance and the role of engineers and why more boardrooms perhaps should have engineers in them. But Climate governance, let's just start there. What is climate governance and why is it important? 
So climate governance is the frameworks that people around the boardroom table should consider when they're looking at the impacts that climate change will have on their organisation. So it's looking at both the risks and the opportunities to that organisation. And so the World Economic Forum issued some principles in 2019 that outline the basics of climate governance. And they're things like board accountability, having a command of the subject of um, climate change, how the board is structured to make sure that you have the right people with the right diversity, uh, both of functional expertise and also sort of cognitive thinking on the board, that there's been a assessment of materiality to the risks and opportunities to your board, and that then those risks and opportunities are integrated into a, an organisation strategy. And then importantly, that the board and senior management and executives are incentivised and remunerated with respect to those climate change risks and initiatives that the organisation wants to put into place and that risks are reported and disclosed against. And then finally, that there's an information exchange both between the board and management and the levels within the organisation, but also externally between organisations so that best practices are shared. And so why I got interested in this subject and the role of engineers was really because a lot of those principles really draw upon skills that engineers have. So it's things like risk assessment. It's things like looking at technology and innovation and seeing how they could solve a problem and general problem solving techniques and seeing how those new technologies can be implemented into a strategy. And also just creativity, general learning mindset and scenario analysis as well. So a large part of climate governance is uh, looking at the various scenarios for the future with different heating um, and warming scenarios and then assessing what the risks to the organisation and the opportunities to the organisation would be under those scenarios and then looking at it from a holistic standpoint to draw that back together into a, a strategy. So yeah, so I think engineers, those skill sets that we're taught and trained to really do tie into those climate governance principles. So that's why I wanted to look into it a little further. Tell us about that. You had an interest in climate governance. You thought, let's have a look at the role of engineers and have done this paper about it. So tell me, how did you do your research and what did it find? So initially, I'll be honest, I was going to try to form the argument or my hypothesis was that more engineers should be on boards. And so I had done a lot of research into those principles that I just talked about and um, also things like the um, Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosure Frameworks and how the skills of engineers could fit into things like that. And then I looked into actual board composition and the number, number you know, engineers on boards. So there were some very large studies done back in 2007 and 2014, looking at the whole of the ASX and the functional diversity on those boards. And those studies showed that, in general, about 20% of the broader ASX will have an engineer on their boards, but that those engineers tend to be sort of clustered in the resources sector or in the manufacturing sector and sort of technology sectors, which also tend to be the organisations that have the largest share of emissions. Mm. Um, so that was 
kind of my first data point that there actually were more engineers on boards than I realised, and particularly that they tended to be focused in these organisations that were of more interest. So then I went through and did my own research on the ASX20 and also the focus organisations that are listed from the Climate Action 100 plus organization. So, so Climate Action 100 plus is a global collaborative engagement which targets a selection of the world's biggest greenhouse gas emitters. So their aim is to curb emissions and strengthen climate-related financial disclosures and improve the governance of climate change issues. And they look at, last time I checked, it was 167 companies globally, which account for 80% of global emissions. And in Australia, there's 14 companies that they look at. So these are not necessarily companies that are badly managed or are not serious about tackling climate change. It's just the ones that um, currently have large emissions and, you know, have a responsibility and a focus to to do something to change that to help global uh, warming. So, So these are companies like BHP, Rio Tinto, Adelaide Brighton Cement, AGL, Borrell, Santos, Woodside, Woolworths, Blue Scope Skill, Origin, Qantas, Insight, Pivot, Oil Search and Orica. And so I looked at the composition of those boards as well. And what I found is that in the ASX20 and in this Climate Action 100 group of companies, that engineers have even a larger presence than in the broader ASX. So 10% of ASX20 board members actually have an engineering background and half of the ASX20 companies have at least one engineer on their boards. And of the Climate Action 100 companies that I talked about, actually 80% of those have at least one engineer or someone with an engineering background. And I've just limited that to engineers. So there's also scientists who, you know, obviously very closely related skill set that are not counted in those numbers. So that was really quite interesting to me to see that engineers do actually have a seat on the table of these highly impactful companies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's very good in some respects that, We have people who have the skills to be able to understand climate governance frameworks and really make a difference there. Um, But it also shows the responsibility that engineers as a profession have to really adopt these principles and put them in action. And indeed, many of these companies in the Climate Action 100 list are making huge strides to chain around and and reduce their emissions. That is so interesting. So, So I think if I'm hearing right, you went in thinking... There's probably not enough engineers in the boardroom. Oh, there is enough engineers in the boardroom. And in fact, they're in the boardrooms of the largest emitters. But it sounds like they're also in the boardrooms of those that are in the boardrooms of the largest emitters and who are taking action. Yes, that's right. Well, and I think, you know, the fact that people on Climate Action 100 list is a pretty good incentive and you've got all the investor um, pressure and all of those things that that Bruno Bryan talked about a few weeks ago Mm. um, in her session where you just have this huge momentum and this cause for a change. And so I think engineers with their skills in risk management, scenario analysis and problem solving are are very um, well suited to tackling these climate governance issues. But I think also what my study delved a little bit deeper into those engineering skills and the way engineers are taught to think at university and then how you can tackle these really complex problems like climate change. And I think there's a tendency in engineers to sometimes think a little bit too linearly and also tend as a profession to be more introverted, I guess, than some other professions. 
Whereas really to tackle something like climate change, you need holistic systems thinking approaches where you're looking at interconnectedness between various factors and also collaboration and reaching out and speaking up and taking the lead is just so important. And so um, I think collectively there's a real shift in momentum from the engineering profession as well to recognise that we do have a seat at the table and a responsibility and the skills. So let's all step up and actually try to make a change here. And so the, the conference that I presented this at was the Engineers Australia Climate Smart Engineering Conference in mid-November. And this was a huge theme throughout the conference, really, that the engineers have those skills and we just need to now step up and start talking about it. And, you know, be brave was kind of a theme to step out and make mm. those changes. So then tell us about, for you and your engineering background, you're now on the board of AgriBio. How did you find that transition into that strategic governance space with your engineering background? How did you find that transition for you? Well, so it's been, in terms of governance transition, it's I've had a longer time than it might appear because of the joint venture governance experience that I had at ExxonMobil. So particularly in a non-operated joint venture. So this is where another company was operating the assets and then ExxonMobil was a partner in that joint venture. It's very similar to a typical boardroom really where you've got a series of joint venture meetings. I'm there as the ExxonMobil representative and it's a fairly brief amount of time that I had to ask a strategic question or try and gauge the viewpoints of the other partners in the room to test alignments, influence others, and, you know, get everyone sort of thinking, spark ways of thinking, I guess, in others based on my questions and, and the other people around the table were doing something similar as well in order to get the best result that we could for the joint venture. Mm-hmm. And it's one where you don't really have direct control, right? So depending on voting arrangements and things like that, quite often what ExxonMobil want, we had to do that through influence and collaborative alignment versus being able to force an issue, I guess. So I really enjoyed that way of thinking. And that was what part of what got me to think about trying to be on boards as a way to make a difference in decarbonisation and energy transition, um, because I really enjoyed that joint venture governance work. And so I thought that's why I'll try to to see if this is an area that I could pursue sort of in the short term. And and if not, then in the longer term, as, as I go do another sort of executive role in the next few years. So you've you've had this realisation that being in the boardroom is something you're interested in, you know, from this realisation in your role at ExxonMobil and then today you're in the boardroom of AgriBio. How did that actually happen? Well, so I decided to leave Exxon really at the end of last year because, like I said, I was just increasingly concerned about climate change and, and wanted to make sure that I didn't end up retiring with Exxon having not done anything to try to help. And so I had been following women on boards and um, sort of AICD and just had it in the back of my mind for maybe a couple of years that being on boards would be something that I would like to do. And actually, my uncle had once suggested it to me many years ago that it might be something that I might like to do. And so then when I left, you know, I'm quite driven, I guess. Um, So I signed up for the AICD company directors course. I um, joined Women on Boards. I joined the AICD. I signed up for the Women on Boards CV workshop. I started listening to your podcasts. 
and then started looking at all the job boards that was posted on women on boards and you know they all sort of want lawyers or accountants but then luckily this job posting for AgriBio turned up you know sort of October it was only just after I had left and it was a joint venture and it talked about Mm. joint venture management as one of the skills and so I was thrilled because here I actually you know had a skill in that area and so I just applied it was with my old professional CV I hadn't been to the board workshop yet I wrote a cover letter. The cover letter was a page and a half. You know, it was broke all the rules. But luckily, I got the interview and then ended up getting that position. So it all went fairly smoothly, really. And it gave me a lot of confidence that this was all going to work out and be fantastic, which was maybe misplaced because then I have applied for quite a few more this year and um, got to second round for some of them but not been successful in landing a second role. So, you know, it has been quite a slog, but I was lucky to get that success at the start, I think, which buoyed my confidence. Um, <laughs> and, it, and in the interim, though, I am doing all of this study. So I'm doing an executive MBA at Melbourne Business School and also the, um, the climate change policy grad cert that, that I might end up leading to a master's at ANU. And so both of those courses have been fantastic and obviously quite time consuming as well so so between all of that and the board stuff I've actually turned out to be quite quite busy really busier than when I was working (laughs) (laughs) I often talk to people and it's like oh god I have no idea how I even fit work in and you're probably the same yeah that's right that's right and I'm trying to broaden my network as much as possible because my network was really quite limited to oil and gas and and really ExxonMobil people oil and gas so I've been networking for board-related and also in the energy transition and decarbonisation space as much as possible. So um, okay. not something I've ever done before. It's been quite a stepping stone for me to enter this networking arena, but it's quite fun and it's not as scary as it seems. I've done this once or twice on the podcast and we're going to do it here just for fun. So you're looking for a second board role? We've heard some of your skills, like you're an engineer, you know about climate governance, you know about joint ventures. What are the other key skills that you bring to the boardroom? So risk management, project management, Mm -hmm. investment analysis, a lot of the part of my role at Exxon would be analysing, you know, multi-million dollar investments and see if that met our internal thresholds or not um, and building a business case for or against various investments. And then a lot of financial oversight as well went along with the joint venture management role and controls compliance, monitoring audit results and closeouts and, and things like that. So there was sort of a compliance part of the role and then a strategy and business planning part of the role and managing budgets and, and things like that as well. So okay. So that's kind of my core skill sets and then and then joint venture management is is a little bit specialized. And if you could land in any boardroom tomorrow you know, the ideal board or sector or type of, basically we're doing an advertisement for you right now, Jenny. Like we've got the Take On Board community listening in and the Take On Board community is an amazing network of people who help each other out. What should we be on the lookout for you for? We know your skills now. What sort of board should we be lining you up for? So what I'm really passionate about at the moment are all of the cooperative research centres that are popping up that form these linkages between government and industry and really aimed at getting the the technology that's at the forefront of decarbonisation and the energy transition out into industry and facilitating that transition. So I'm really passionate about 
those kind of linkages. Um, and I think it's quite a similar environment to working in joint ventures where you have multiple stakeholders that need to come together. And that's part of, you also have that at AgriBio, right? You've got the joint venture between the state government and agriculture yeah. of Victoria. And then the board's role is to really facilitate and make sure the facility is operating um, as it should be so that the scientists can get on and do their research. I'm very passionate about those roles. And then also moving into renewables and, you know, the hydrogen space and those kind of areas. All right, folks, you've heard that. You've heard uh, Jenny's incredible skills. There's a long list there, but climate governance, joint ventures, risk, finance, compliance, all sorts of stuff in there. There was a longer list than that. If you know of anything in cooperative research or joint ventures decarbonize, around decarbonisation, energy, renewables, those sorts of things, Jenny's uh, contact details are going to be in the show notes and she's also in the Facebook group. So let her know. Let's see if we can find her another another role to add to her portfolio. <laughs> oh, Jenny, great conversation. I'm so glad we uh, finally got, got there in terms of being able to have it around that climate governance and also great to hear about your journey to the boardroom. What are the key points you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? So I think the key points are, you know, climate governance is an increasingly important issue on any board and it's not going to be going away. So you can see the momentum that came out of the COP26, um, which was just incredible. So this is something that all board directors need to be aware of. Engineers have the right skill sets to really contribute amazingly in this area. And I think engineers just collectively now need to work together to to really drive change in this area and recognise the impact that engineers can have, not just in terms of what are the risks and opportunities to my organisation, but how can collectively we actually mitigate risk and drive change. So it's even going beyond those climate governance frameworks which are more focused just on that one organisation. So I just think we have a huge opportunity and and responsibility as well to step up as a profession. And are there any resources you would like to share with the Take On Board community? Yes. So my biggest help to me has been this book, Systems Thinking for Social Change by David Stroh. So um, I talked about the importance of systems thinking and how it's not something that um, has necessarily been incorporated into engineering curriculum through time, but it is starting to increasingly become an important part of engineer skill sets. And this book in particular has quite a lot of examples and practical guide. It doesn't necessarily talk that much about climate change, but it really puts systems thinking practices or examples into practice. So that's been really helpful to me. And I've also linked all of the climate governance frameworks that I've talked about. So the AICD guide and the World Economic Forum principles and also the new Engineers Australia um, climate policy statement, which came out just a few months ago. Fabulous. Thank you so much. It's been a fabulous conversation for us to learn more about climate governance, engineers in the boardroom and also your journey to the boardroom. And fingers crossed we find you a board role out of it as well. That'd be a nice little bonus as well. So thank you for sharing your research with the Take On Board community today. No worries. And thanks so much, Helia. It's been fantastic to be here. Hi there. It's Helia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together, so it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? 
perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.